0: Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. My name is Chris Peters. This is episode 92 of the podcast and we are back from the USHL Fall Classic, which we are going to talk about uh, a lot. We also have some breaking news to get into in today's show, uh, talking a little bit about the NHL Calder Trophy race as well because the rookies are graduating to from prospect status to full-time NHLers. We're going to get there. We're going to get through all of it, but we've got so much to get to today. Before we do that, however, want to remind you to follow us on Flow Hockey across all social platforms at Flow Hockey, you can also find us on Twitter at Flow Hockey TV, um, and on, or sorry, on TikTok at at Flow Hockey TV, um, and then at Flow Hockey across other social media platforms. You can also watch this podcast on our YouTube channel. Uh, Flow Hockey's own YouTube channel and also on flowhockey.tv or the Flow Sports app. So make sure you are following us in the very many ways you can follow Talking Hockey Sense. And that includes our audio podcast as well. Download on your app of choice and leave a kind rating and review. But we have some breaking news. Well, by the time you listen to it, the news will have been broken for some time. However, it's breaking news as we record today on Wednesday because the college hockey world was absolutely rattled today to find out that Cole Eiserman, one of the top prospects for the 2024 NHL draft, had previously been committed to the University of Minnesota. That is no longer the case. Iserman announced on Instagram that he is now going to Boston University next season. So uh, kind of an earth-shattering recruiting news because you don't get much more blue-chip then Cole Eiserman, he had 69 goals last season for the national team development program. He had, uh, you know, he came very close to breaking Cole Caulfield's single season goal scoring record, although he did set the high mark for the U17 season. And then he also tied Alex Ovechkin with 12 goals at the World Under 17 Hockey Challenge. That's the record there. Cole Eiserman, 12. Alex Ovechkin, 12. I mean, the buzz around this guy has been enormous. But it's always been interesting. He's a Massachusetts kid. And he committed to the University of Minnesota, not a path that is often taken. It's almost never taken by Eastern kids. They don't come back West, and the Western kids tend not to go East. They try to stay kind of in their own lane. Hockey can be provincial in that way. However, Cole Eiserman had said, hey, I want to go my own way. I'm going to go to the University of Minnesota. Well, ultimately, he has now decided to change his mind. Um, and the top scorer from the most recent USHL Fall Classic is now going to Boston University. Won't be going until next season, and he's draft eligible in 2024. Why is this significant? Well, you talk about the talent of the player. As of right now, Boston University is home to the number one prospect for the 2024 NHL draft. That's Macklin Celebrini. He and Eiserman play together at Shattuck St. Mary's. They're really close friends. The odds of Celebrini still being at BU when Iserman gets there, maybe a little bit low, but you have to think that that was a bit of a factor. And also I've kind of heard through the grapevine that Iserman was looking to stay closer to home, wanted to be closer to family, kind of rethought things. He's been away for the last several years uh, playing at Shattuck St. Mary's and now at the national team development program. So, Things change. And, you know, I hate when, you know, people kind of get all all over these kids for changing their mind. They make a lot of big decisions at a young age and things change and circumstances change. And we all don't always know all the reasons behind why somebody makes this decision. But Cole Iserman now going to Boston University. And with that, the top two players I had Macklin Celebrini number one, Cole Iserman number two on my way too early top 10 for the 2024 NHL draft. Now both potentially Boston University Terriers. If Celebrini stays for his sophomore season, we're talking about one of the most dynamic duos you can imagine in college hockey. It would be a lot of fun to watch. We'll see if that's the way that it goes. But we do expect Celebrini to go first overall in this upcoming draft. It's not a foregone conclusion like it was with Connor Bedard last year, but we expect him to go number one and then after that maybe potentially go to the NHL. So big, big news. Obviously a huge loss for the University of Minnesota. He was definitely their blue chip centerpiece recruit for next season. Now that's a bit of a scramble situation for them where they've got to replace a player that uh, they ultimately were counting on to be a big difference maker in their program. So Cole Eiserman now committed to Boston University breaking just before we recorded. Today, you can also find a story on that very big recruiting news on flowhockey.tv. All right, so let's get to what we had planned to talk about before a little bit of breaking news got in the way. Um, the USHL Fall Classic, and oddly enough, we will still be talking about Cole Eisenman because he was outstanding there, but wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Fall Classic, what we saw, what looked good, and what is going to be interesting throughout this entire draft season, next draft season, and also how those drafted NHL prospects did in the USHL this week. I was out in Cranberry Township uh, at the Lemieux Sports Complex. We got a chance to see you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins were over there practicing, and then you had the USHL. Going all day long with four games a day, um, it was a lot of great hockey, and we were able to see pretty much all of it um, beyond the times that we were out getting some great content for you guys on Flow Hockey that you're going to be able to see a little bit later in the year. But wanted to talk about the top performers, and among the teams that really stood out, you know, we we fully expected the U.S. National Team Development Program's under-18 team to be a Uh, Kind of a show-stopping team. That's exactly what they were. Cole Eiserman ended the weekend with five points over two games, including three goals in the finale against Omaha. He scored all three in the second period and had a really uh, good showing throughout that entire event. But he is a tremendous goal scorer. He is, has the ability to really take over a game and really flip a game on its head. You know, that game was closer than it probably should have been for a while. And then Eiserman just kind of took it over and decided to to go score. And he's already got, you know, five goals, I believe, this season. If you account all competitions, I think they've played four games so far in addition to the two at the uh, – the, or on top of – or including the two that they played – at the fall classic and so Eiserman ends up getting an incredible opportunity you know to to really start his season off on the right foot and boy has he ever he's averaging two points a game with eight points through his first four games he's a guy that has the potential to, to, to break a scoring record to uh, take down cole Caulfield's 72 goals in a single season which he scored in his under 18 year playing alongside jack hughes um so the record books very well could be rewritten by Cole Eiserman, very good chance that he will be the all-time leading goal scorer in uh, NTDP history. You know, considering that he had 69 last year, and he's already off to a flying start this year. <coughs> Excuse me. So he had a really tremendous um, fall classic, and a great way to, to make a first impression on scouts throughout this year. Another player that came into the fall classic with exceptionally high expectations was Trevor Connolly, who was the one of the top players for Team USA at the Holinka-Gretzky Cup earlier this summer. Connolly was uh, plays for the Tri-City Storm. In his opening game, he was dominant. He only ended up with one assist over the course of the entire two days of the tournament. His second day was not nearly as effective. However, what we saw in that first game is when he can flip a switch and take a game over, it's really difficult to defend him. He has tremendous hands. He's got some strength and power to get to the middle, and then he can skate well. And so, you know, I think some of the questions that still remain you know can he use his teammates a little bit more can he get some of those passes off a little bit quicker can he make some of those better decisions with the puck he was holding onto the puck a little bit too long and while he can do that at this level you'd like to see him make a few more plays and not have as many end up you know either in, in turnovers or just broken plays that didn't really amount to much so that's one potential complaint but this is a player that you know I think a lot of teams are very high on in terms of his hockey talent we've talked a little bit about some of the off ice stuff in last week's episode that has kind of prevented some of the teams or two weeks ago that has you know kind of prevented some teams to really listing him quite high on their on their list they're going to be doing their due diligence on that but you know was sitting around NHL scouts a lot this week having lots of conversations and and the, the general thought coming out of that first game that we saw was that Trevor Connolly looks like a first round, high first round pick based on what we saw. So on the ice, that's one thing. And and there's going to be all sorts of questions about, you know, ultimately, not just from him, you know, we talked about the off ice stuff, but just also from the on ice, because there were some some things that probably, you know, raised a couple of flags, particularly, you know, just the holding onto the puck too long and not making enough plays and not having enough points to to necessarily say, hey, he was really dominant. But I think that, with the skill that he has, he's going to be a, an impact player and very well could be one of the top scorers in the USHL this season. Um, he is committed to Providence College, and certainly a player we'll be continuing to watch very closely. One of the under-the-radar players at the USHL Fall Classic who at the very least gave himself an opportunity to be a bigger a bigger name in this draft conversation was Adam Kleber from the Lincoln Stars. He's a six foot five. Two hundred and fifteen pound right shot defenseman now if you 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 can't throw a rock without hitting a general manager that is searching for that kind of profile. so six foot five, right shot, good mobility, um, decent puck skills, good defender, some physicality. NHL teams love a player with that kind of profile now he played as a sixteen year old last year in Lincoln. There were growing pains that, you know, he had to go through and he had to learn the, to play at the junior level. But I think what we saw at the fall classic was a player that's much more confident, a player that knows that he can get pucks to the net more frequently, a player that can carry the puck a little bit. And a player that I think has the mobility to make uh, a lot of opposing forwards, their lives difficult to get around him or to get by him uh, along the boards. He was playing heavy and hard in front of the net and also along the walls. And that's a very good thing. So Really like what I saw from Adam Cleaver. He's a commit to the University of Minnesota Duluth. You know, is he going to be a first-round prospect? I don't think so, but at the same time, that's the kind of player that very well could go in the second round just because of his statistical or his size profile. And then if the statistics come along with it, if he's able to point up a little bit this year, if he's able to move pucks well, if he's able to continue that mobility, he's got a real opportunity to be a higher pick because he has what so many teams are looking for. Another player that I liked a lot at this event was also from the National Team Development Program and also a defenseman. E.J. Emery is a dual U.S.-Canadian citizen. He is a guy that you know they fully expect to be a big part of their team going forward. Tremendously gifted in terms of his skating ability. He's got good size. As he fills out more, he's going to be able to be more physical. Solid defender, but what we really saw at the fall classic from E.J. Emery, who's a North Dakota commit, is that he's able to move pucks pretty well. He was spotting plays quickly, he was decisive with the puck, and he was making positive plays with the puck on his stick. That was something we didn't see enough of last year to really kind of put the stamp of approval on him. However, if he continues down this path, and he had two tremendous primary assists for Cole Eisman, if he continues down this path where he's starting to move pucks well, he's he's making life easier for his opposing, or for his forwards, and he's making life more difficult for the opposing forwards, that's going to be a guy that I think has got a chance to go a lot higher than maybe he's going to be projected immediately. I think he's a high upside, high ceiling kind of player. I think there's a lot of similarities to what he's doing this year to what keandre miller did with the same coaching staff with nick four who's coached so many elite level defensemen over the years the national team development program you know that they're players where you know you take kind of a raw product and then you help hone them developmentally and you use that athletic toolkit that they have and then you put it to, to practice. So I think we saw E.J. Emery thinking of a game a lot quicker. I think we saw him executing plays better. And I think if this is the trend line that continues, and it's very early in the season, a lot of things are going to change. But if this is the trend line that we see throughout the rest of the season, I mean, the sky is the limit for E.J. Emery. He is a player I am absolutely high on for this draft. Um, I I was coming into the season. I'm even more so now after seeing the growth and development that, that he put in over the summer in terms of getting physically stronger and making better decisions with the puck. The USHL Fall Classic was also a great showcase for drafted players in the USHL. There are a lot of players that already have NHL draft rights spoken for in the ushl this year and the highest pick among them is adam guy on the goaltender from the the green bay gamblers and what a performance he put in he won both of his starts had a 929 save percentage over the two games it's expected that he's going to play an absolute ton for green bay this season and with that that's where the development is really going to hit its stride because he's a player that just continues to need to play Last year was his first year in North America. He played for the Chippewa Steel in the NHL. And then he played a few games with the Green Bay Gamblers, ends up staying with that team, and now he's going to be in the USHL. And talked to Adam after the game, you know, said, explain, you know, not a lot of draft-eligible players go back to the USHL. He said, well, or sorry, drafted players go back to the USHL. They usually move on to college. But he said, and he said this last year as well, he needs to play more. To develop and he's going to get more games in the ushl than he would in college and he's going to get the reins for this roster as long as he stays healthy he's going to be a guy that is clearly on the on the path to being the the, the long-term starter for this team and also a guy that could potentially lead them to uh great success this season he's also likely headed back to the world junior championship this year which is uh, uh where he really made his name and and put himself on the draft radar. Uh, but to see the way that he battles, the way that he competes, and then also the athleticism and quickness that he shows in the net and the decisions that he was making, and I think he even played a little bit more controlled, that's a player that you know, we identified going into the tournament or into the showcase as a player to watch. He's one coming out of it where we say, here's a guy that is really, really developing and putting his best foot forward as an as, as a future NHL goaltender, and he will be headed to the University of Minnesota Duluth next year. Another guy that I thought, you know, we we were kind of curious about, Cade Littler. He came in late last season out of the BCHL, played for the Wenatchee Wild, and Wenatchee ended up moving to the WHL while Cade Littler was already on the college path, and so he's coming back to the USHL and playing for the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders. He did have a hat trick in his final game. Um, one of them was a bit of a fluky goal, but he showed, you know, he's got finishing ability. He's got skill. He's a tremendously big player and strong player. Um, a guy like him should be able to physically dominate at this level, and to learn that at a league where it's very tough to play physical, it's a tough league to to impose your will in. Um, he started to show a little bit of that, and so the Calgary Flames draft pick, and you know, a guy that that has kind of his whole future in front of him here, uh, playing in his last year of junior hockey, I think. Cedar Rapids is a great spot for him to round out his game and to be a better college player heading into next season. Um, and so that's going to be a guy that I think a lot of us are watching as a drafted prospect. Another one, and this was a player that I think intrigued the heck out of me coming into the season, and that's Yuri Pekarczyk. And uh, he was he's one of the really – um, you know, kind of unique players of last year's draft. Where he was a bit of a late riser. Um, he played very well at the under eighteen world championship for Slovakia. He's got a chance to be on the U twenty team this year. Um, playing for the Dubuque Fighting Saints now. He had an opportunity to go to the QMJHL, decided to stay with the Dubuque Fighting Saints, uh, which drafted him. And then, you know, that's a big get for them because he's a highly skilled individual, a player that can make plays. Um, and also a guy that has some size to him. He spent the last couple of years in Slovakian professional hockey, um, and now he'll be among his age peers playing much elevated minutes compared to what he did as a pro and really learning how to be uh, a player. He's not going to be able to go to college because he was a pro player in Slovakia, but you know this might be the springboard for him to go to the AHL. You look at some of the guys that have used uh, the the USHL, and one of them from the Dubuque Fighting Saints uh, comes to mind, Matthias Michelli, who is was an exceptional rookie last season in the NHL. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the games in Australia, but he scored a beauty of a of a goal in one of those games for the Arizona Coyotes. Um, he came to the USHL, then spent another year in his native Finland as a professional, and then was over in North America as a professional. So I think this is a player, Yuri Pekarsik, uh, Pekarsik that could make a, a lot of um, a noise in the USHL this season. St. Louis Blues draft pick and a member of the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Before we move on to uh, the NHL Calder race, which I'm excited to talk about because I think this year is one of the most fascinating there has ever been um, and will be throughout the entire season. I want to talk about the young players in the USHL because we get so focused on this year's draft. We don't always think about the following year, but boy, was there a lot to watch for the 2025 NHL draft. And it all starts, of course, with James Hagan's a player that we think is going to push for number one in that draft a guy that you know plays for the national team development program. He's got a chance to play at the world junior championship. He's a highly skilled center makes play after play after play is competitive. Um, as he gets stronger, he'll be tougher to play against. So I just really, really like what James Higgins did. He didn't have a ton of points, but he made a lot of significant plays and was a driver for his team and created a lot for those around him. Um, he's got the speed, he's got the skill. You know, he's got the mentality. And very recently, while at the fall classic, we learned that he is committed to Boston College. This was the number one uncommitted recruit in the country. And so James Haggins, who often plays with Cole Iserman, will be on opposite sides of the battle of Com Ave. Um, Boston College and Boston University, it seems the balance of power has shifted east. We saw last couple of years Minnesota and Michigan were going head-to-head. Now it's Boston and Boston U and Boston College. That's pretty impressive. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have to probably exhaust our flight budget to Boston here in a little bit because of the way that so many of these players are going. And and James Higgins, along with his brother Michael, who plays for the Chicago Steel, going to Boston College. A couple of other young players we want to talk about. One of the best young defensemen, um, he is going to be uh, a 2025 draft eligible, and that is Logan Hensler. So Hensler is a 16-year-old at the moment. He is uh, a late birth date, so... Um, he will not be draft eligible until 2025. He is committed to the University of Wisconsin as a Minnesota guy. He's, he's heading there. What we saw from him this last week was a four point performance, two goals, two assists during the fall classic, including an overtime game winning goal. He showed tremendous skating ability. I mean, his north south speed is special. Uh, you know, he's a six foot two defenseman, he has good size and good strength, he defends well. But, boy, when he gets ahead of steam going, nobody's getting in front of him. Nobody can stop him. And we saw that time and time again at the fall classic. So, Logan Hensler, if you're looking for defensemen, the next two years, we're going to have some really good ones. But in 2025, Logan Hensler, a very, very early leader among defensemen, of guys that you absolutely have to know uh, going forward. But, boy, what a tremendous weekend he had at the fall classic. A uh, couple of others that I wanted to point out, Lev Katzen from the Green Bay Gamblers. He had a goal and an assist this weekend. He, you know, I think there were a lot of questions about how he would transition to the USHL from playing in the GTHL last year. He's one of the, on one of the top teams in Canada and the Toronto Marlboros, um, a team that, you know, ha- often has a lot of star power. There's, you know, a, a tremendous amount of famous alumni, Jack Hughes and Connor McDavid among them. Um, but, what Lev Katzen did in his first weekend of USHL hockey was nothing short of remarkable. He's a 15 year old or 16 year old player. Um, You know, he's five foot eight. He's not a, a big guy, but he played big. He played physical. He played with skill and speed and, you know, I don't ultimately know what his NHL prospects are going to be long term, but we saw a lot of things in his game that really jump out at you. And to see a 16 year old come into the USHL and have an immediate impact on a team that has Clark Cup aspirations and Green Bay certainly does. That was pretty impressive, especially a player at his size did not shy away from the physicality or the, the heaviness of the game. And then lastly, I wanted to talk a little bit about Sasha Bometian, who we did mention uh, on previous podcasts. 16-year-old defenseman out of Sweden playing for the Youngstown Phantoms, the defending champions. Among the defensemen I saw this week, few impressed me more than Bometian because of the way that he um, handles himself on the ice. 16 years old, not overly strong, but he's got good size. He was incredibly smooth. He was poised. He didn't seem to put a plate. Uh, I, I didn't think he placed a puck wrong all week. He put pucks in good positions. He has an absolute bomb of a shot. He uh, had probably the hardest shot I saw all weekend scoring on a one-time uh, goal for Youngstown in, in a comeback bid that fell just short. But that's a player where you say, okay, well, he's about 6'1", six, 6'2", six, get closing in there. Um, he's got really good puck skills. He's got very soft you know, soft hands and, and, and good feet. That's a player to know. So Sasha Bamedian. Um, and it also sounds like he is uh, being actively recruited. There's a lot of speculation that he's going to end up somewhere in the Big Ten um, as a recruit. But I can tell you right now that is a blue-chip prospect, and any team in the country should be after him, and I'm sure they will be. All right. Also wanted to just quickly, a very short piece of, of USHL news. We reported this on flowhockey.tv. You can find the story there. But Arizona Coyotes prospect Julian Lutz is coming to the USHL. Uh, he started the season with Germany's, uh, in the German top pro league, the DEL, with Munich. And he is coming on over to the USHL. He's joining the Green Bay Gamblers. And that now gives the Gamblers two top 50 picks with Guyon and Lutz. Because Lutz was a, a 44. 43rd, I believe, 43rd overall pick by the uh, by the Arizona Coyotes two years ago. Um, and he's got good size. He's got good skill. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. So he's trying to rediscover his game. It looks like he is going to try to do that in the uh, USHL with Green Bay. So very excited to see a, yet another uh, promising prospect in the league. All right, so one thing we aren't going to do today, we're not going to do a Q&A because, one, I forgot to ask for questions, and two, because there's a couple of other things that I wanted to get to anyway. One of them is the NHL Calder race. And, you know, we won't talk a ton of NHL here, but these are guys that are prospects transitioning into pros, and it only makes sense. And, you know, when you look at the Calder race, you look at the odds, the betting odds and everything else, and you say, okay, well, Conor Bedard is clearly the favorite, and then it makes sense. The question is, Is will he ultimately be the winner? Because the Chicago Blackhawks, while they have built up a little bit around him, do they have enough? Um, and that is my question. I do believe Conor Bedard is going to score a minimum of 30 goals this year. But, I mean, I think that there's a real chance that he touches 40. Um, it'd be hard to do, but I just think that with the amount of power play time he's going to get with the situations he's in, with playing with Taylor Hall, with playing with, you know, experienced players – even though the Blackhawks are going to have a hard time this season, and I really do think they will, um, he is going to have a, 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 an opportunity to be put in all the right positions. So you you fully expect Connor Bedard to be there. We don't need to belabor that point. What will be really interesting is the two guys that were the top scorers in college hockey last year. you got Adam Fantilli and Logan Cooley both coming in as rookies. Uh, Cooley a little bit older than Fantilli. Uh, but Fantilli, if you saw him in the rookie camps, if you saw him in NHL preseason games, this is a player that's ready to take the NHL by storm. This is a player that's ready to do some special things this year. He's got the size. He's got the physicality. He's got the skating ability. Adam Fantilli is a special player, and he is going to make an impact. The other thing that he has going for him that Connor Bedard does not is that Columbus is better set up to insulate that player. They have Johnny Goudreau. They have Patrick Line. They have other, you know, Zach Wierenski. They have skilled players around him to help kind of soften the burden of offense that you would expect for him to have, um, on a weaker team. So that's a really good thing for Adam Fantilli. I think the the one thing that I said, and i I mentioned this on, a, on another podcast on the athletic hockey show. Um, one thing that, that really strikes me about him is that he's got this mentality about him. He, he, he is not overwhelmed. He is not intimidated. He seems to be having a lot of fun Um, And this is a guy, let's keep in mind, he said before the draft that the team that he most wanted to go to was Columbus. How many people actually say that? You know, and if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, that's not meant to be a slight. It's just something that we haven't heard. And now we've seen Johnny Goudreau choose the Blue Jackets. You've seen uh, Adam Fantilli being excited to be a Blue Jacket. You know, those are good things. And all of the noise that we've seen about the Blue Jackets this year with Mike Babcock and everything else, it all kind of goes by the wayside when you look at a young talent like Adam Fantilli and say, this is the guy that's going to really take us to the next level. This is the guy that is going to move us into the big time. And I think he can be that. Whether that's this year or in a few years, that's really what we have to, to kind of wait and see. But Adam Fantilli is a special player and a guy that I think everybody is going to enjoy watching this season. But if, they're, if you're looking for a value bet yeah, when it comes to... The Calder race: it's hard not to look at Logan Cooley with, you know, little, little dollar signs in your eyes, because we all saw the goal that he scored in Australia, or at least I, if you haven't, go look it up, Logan Cooley scoring a preseason goal. You know he's probably not going to do that on a daily basis, but there are a couple of key points in that, in that play that I thought were so amazing. So he hits the spin cycle, but what does he do? He sells the pass first. So we we talk a little bit every now and then you'll hear about manipulating the defenseman's stick. And that's what that move did. It put the defenseman's stick in a, in the passing lane. And then he goes ahead and spins away from that too fast for the defenseman to react. He can't get his stick back in front. And then he, Cooley's coolies by him. He's got the lane to the net. The other defenseman's expecting his D partner to, to have the guy and he just doesn't. And then he is able to slip it in and surprise the goaltender I think Cooley's going to score a number of highlight reels, and that's going to help highlight reel goals, and that's going to help his candidacy. We all think about Trevor Zegers a couple of years back. Part of his candidacy was that he was just lighting it up in terms of creating highlights and fun goals, and and was in the All Star game and all that stuff. Like Logan Cooley can be that for arizona and also keep in mind arizona has clayton keller coming off of a career year they have nick schmaltz they have other players that have been around jason zucker they have players that have been around the league and while we don't think arizona is going to be a playoff team this year we do we should think that logan cooley is going to be surrounded in a way that's going to help him find his way pretty well but there are other rookies that we're going to be talking about there are so many guys that we're waiting to see will they make their teams The one guy that seems to have the inside track that, that that I'm going to be fascinating to follow is Devin Levi had a really great preseason debut with Buffalo. They're going to give him every opportunity to start the season there, whether or not that's the right call. We'll have to wait and see, but goalies that are almost never go directly from college to the NHL. We saw that Levi got a couple of games last year. I don't think it'd be the end of the world. If he ended up spending some time in the AHL. In fact, I think it might actually be a good thing because Um, You know, Buffalo, but if Buffalo feels that they can compete this year and they feel that Devin Levi is the goalie that gives them the best opportunity to compete by all means, because I think a lot of the patience has run out in Buffalo and now it's time to start winning. And if you think that Devin Levi is the guy that's going to help you get there, that's who you put in. So I'll be fascinated to watch him. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, Some of the other things, you know, which Anaheim Ducks defensemen are going to make the final rostered you know, Jamie Drysdale still on sign. So does Pavel Mintukov or Olin Zellweger get a crack at the lineup? Does Tristan Luno get a crack at the lineup? Um, that's, that still remains to be seen. Does Leo Carlson get a long-term thing? I think Leo Carlson, in my opinion, I think it's probably best for him to go back to Sweden for another year. Um, you know, get his, his legs under him as a center a little bit more. Um, and that's that, you know, I think that that, could ultimately be a good thing it doesn't mean that it was a bad pick them picking him over fantilly it just means that he's going to need some time and that should be expected for some of those top picks you know what did the los angeles kings do with brant clark he had a really good start but is is, is he ready um, you know, what What about guys like that were in the AHL last year, like Yuri Kulik or Riker Evans um, for the for the Seattle Kraken and then for the uh, Kulik from the Sabres? You know, there's a lot of guys that, that did things last year where it's like, hey, they're ready. Dustin Wolf from the Calgary Flames. How much of an opportunity is he going to get? Those are all the questions that are going to be remaining to be answered. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot of young players get a, at least that, you know, a start in the league. Some of them may be sent to the AHL. Some of them may be sent back to junior. Some of them, you know, maybe with the team all year, but may, playing sparingly. Every path is different. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, you look at I, I really think that this year's race um, is going to have a lot to do with Bedard, Fantilli, Cooley. And I think Levi, if he if he's able to deliver on what we've seen so far, you know, those are four guys that I would be. Targeting is as, as you know Calder favorites and and even though they're you know you got guys like Matthew Nyes and and a, and a host of other players that are going to have a, a say in this season just can't wait for this rookie class I think it's exceptional. All right, so before we get into uh, the last little pieces of business. Did want to let you know, if you hadn't seen the news this week, the SPHL is coming to Flow Hockey. Really excited about that. More professional hockey on the Flow Hockey platform. We already have the ECHL. We have great college hockey in the CCHA, CHA Atlantic Hockey. Um, we've got a lot of the co- collegiate club le- level with uh, the ACHA games. Um, we've got Alaska Fairbanks for, for Division I. um, And then also a ton of junior hockey. And so... If you haven't yet, please go check out flowhockey.tv. Check it out on your desktop, check it out on mobile, check it out on the app. We've got a lot of new offerings for you this year, and that includes our Game Center app. So when you're watching whatever live game you're watching on Flow Hockey, as a companion, while watching on either a desktop or on your mobile app, you can see the live scoring as it happens. You can find out the stats. You can see where the shots were taken from. You can get a lot of rich data, and that's one of the really new things that we're super excited about at Flow Sports because we're giving you more for that you know—that value of subscribing and getting the games. You're also now getting a rich data experience that allows you to see the, the stats go as they go and and you can follow the standings you can follow the scoring leaders it's all right there um, we have a great product called league stat that has been in operation with hockey tech for years and years the vast majority of leagues that you are familiar with uses league stat as their stat provider that includes the AHL and the Canadian Hockey League um, the ECHL so many of those levels the USHL they all use that product and so that's where you're seeing all this tremendous data come in so I'm super pumped about where we're at at Flow Sports right now. We've got a lot of fun things coming up. We just spent all of last week at the Fall Classic getting a ton of original content. We've got even more coming up around the world. Juniors, we've got some ECHL stuff coming. There's so much that we are offering right now. So make sure, if you haven't yet, go sign up for a Flow Hockey subscription. It's $150 American for the year. And that will get you every single game from all of these leagues that we carry and also a lot more in terms of our data offering, our original content offering, and you can even check out this podcast on the app. That's free of charge, though. So we we throw that one in for you. But hopefully you'll check it all out and really enjoy it because we are having a blast really trying to, to make Flow Hockey and Flow Sports the essential destination for hockey beneath the NHL. And we are well on our way. So I hope you will join us for that ride. All right. I never like to end the podcast on a sad note. And this is kind of, it's not even bittersweet. It is sad, Um, but it is something that was important to me and something that I wanted to talk about today because, you know, I think there's a lot more to life than hockey. There's a lot more to life than our jobs. There's a lot more to life um, than, than a lot of the things that we worry about day to day. Uh, but I want to take a couple minutes to talk about Chris Snow from the, uh, the, the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames. Um, we learned on Wednesday from his wife, Kelsey, um, who shared with uh, the world that Chris suffered cardiac arrest, um, was revived. But um, uh, unfortunately, due to uh, a lack of oxygen to his brain, is, is in a coma that he is unlikely to wake up from. Um, and anybody that knows the Chris Snow story knows that he has battled ALS for about four years now. He was given a year to live. Um, and you know, his father passed away from it. I think he had an uncle that passed away from it, and they didn't last very long. And 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 Chris wasn't willing to accept the fate that he was dealt, which is one of the most amazing things. So if you don't know Chris Snow's story before the ALS diagnosis, he's always been a a personal hero of mine. I don't know Chris. Um, we we never really spoke. Um but he's always been somebody I've admired from a distance. Why is that? Well, he is one of those people, it doesn't happen often, that made the jump from print journalism to an NHL front office. He started with the Minnesota Wild, and then he moved over to the Calgary Flames, and he worked his way up to assistant general manager. He became very involved in the analytics movement. He uh, was a director of hockey operations with Minnesota, which was a very early adopter of a lot of the analytics um, that – that now are commonplace across the NHL and Chris was a big part of that. And so I love the sport. You know, I obviously love being in the media and love speaking with you, but I think everybody that's ever, you know, does what I do in terms of prospects and things like that. You know, the hope is maybe someday, maybe someday down the road, you'll have an opportunity to work for a team and maybe there, and that's always been something that's been in the back of my mind. So Chris was always a bit of an inspiration. He's a tremendous journalist and then became a tremendous front office staffer in hockey. But while that was the personal, you know, that became a personal hero from a professional level, what really drives it home is, you know, Kelsey Snow has has documented their journey with ALS throughout this entire diagnosis. And Chris was so open with every win and loss that came from ALS and it allowed us in in a way You know, like I said, I only know him from a distance, but I feel like I know him and his family because of what Kelsey shared publicly to show this is what it looks like to be a family dealing with ALS. This is what it looks like to have a 40, you know, at the time he was not even 40 years old when he was diagnosed to have your life flipped upside down, but to keep going. And where Chris became a hero, and I apologize if I get emotional because, you know, I have two kids, a boy and a girl. He has two kids, a boy and a girl. And. What we saw from Chris was persever- and you know, still as he fights um, this perseverance, this unwillingness to accept what the hand that he was dealt, the fact that he wasn't willing to leave his kids and his wife any earlier than he had to. Um, and, you know, they, they did a, a, just a series of experimental tests and just trying like anything that would work. And it did work because Chris was given a year to live. And here we are four years later and, but that, that love of a father, that love of a husband, that's what really struck me. And, you know, I don't get many opportunities to, you know, this is my platform. And I, I think it's important to one recognize Chris for the incredible fight that he put up to honor him, um, as both a professional and a person um, to think of his family in this time that is absolutely crushing, you know, his kids are very similar in age to mine. Um, and you know, my heart goes out to the Calgary flames as well, because, you know, Craig Conroy, who's now the GM is one of, you know, one of the big reasons that, that Chris Snow was in Calgary and, and was very close to that family and, and, and will remain so I'm sure. Um, and, and kept, you know, that, that group, Kept Chris Snow part of it and because not because they felt bad for him, it's because he's really good. Um, and that was always amazing as well. Um, so, you know, if you have a second, you know, make sure to think of Chris, make sure to think of his family, make sure to think of all the people that he's impacted. Uh, think of those that are dealing with ALS every day. Uh, the fact that we still, you know, are, are fighting for a cure for that disease. If it's within your means, consider a donation to your ALS charity of choice. Um, I know that the, the Calgary flames have a number of things in Chris's name. Um, but just a, a remarkable life and a remarkable person and a remarkable family. Um, and I just hope that, you know, I know that the hockey world will continue to wrap their arms around Chris's family, but um, let's not forget that he also got so much out of, you know, what, was a truly difficult and unfathomable hand that he was dealt and he just didn't give up. So uh, we'll certainly be thinking of him with that. All right. Well, that's this week's show. Thanks so much for joining us next week. We will be having our college hockey preview. Uh, Brad Schlossman will join me as a guest as he does every year at the beginning of the college season. Looking forward to that and looking forward to much, much more hockey talk throughout the year. Uh, We thank you so much for joining us this week. Huge thanks to Amanda for producing and thanks to all of you for listening. I really do appreciate it. And just remember to uh, say a a quick prayer or give a few thoughts to uh, Chris Snow and his family. And, uh, you know, Snowy Strong, we we will never forget that. Thanks, everybody.